Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Alpha Podcast. We are your hosts, Arjun Puri and... Richard Hartness. All right. So we've got something really cool in store for you today. Um, I know initially in the last episode, we had talked about um, doing a part two to our wearables talk, but something really interesting and pressing has happened in the last week. Hey, eh, Richard? Yeah, well, certainly you uh, you alluded to it on Twitter, and I thought, hang on a minute, what's this? Uh, Arjun seems to have been doing something very interesting this week, so not that you don't normally do interesting things, but, <laughs> <laughs> but this particularly sounded interesting, so I thought it was uh, a good topic for conversation today. Absolutely, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, new events coming up, and uh, now that the phone launches and wearable launches have kind of calmed down a bit, I think uh, the next step is VR. Yep. Okay, so let me talk to you guys. Um, so this week, I was at a place called Reap Labs, um, which is uh, located in St. Jacob's around Kitchener. St. Jacob's is a small farming town, not too far from here. But um, what we were doing is really interesting. Um, we've got this local group uh, that discusses VR and the new um, kind of up-and-coming things in VR in the field. And um, also, we do a couple of demos every now and then. Um, but this time around, they had some, some really cool stuff. Um, and um, one of the main things that I got to try there was the HTC Vive and uh, let me tell you was that an experience oh sweet I'm so jealous <laughs> so let me let me preface that by saying that um, uh, the two main companies that are doing um, VR and uh, I mean like they're they're all in they're a hundred percent in they're they're wet you know they're swimming in the water uh, they don't just have their feet wet um, these two companies are HTC and oculus as we know and um, HTC, as we all know, is uh, you know a major phone manufacturer. They've been around for many years, um, so they've got a bit of an upper hand in when it comes to production. Hmm. Oculus was recently bought up by Facebook, and I'd still I still consider it a, a quasi startup, a quasi startup, right? A very well-funded startup. <laughs> very, very well. And, and they've got some great industry partners. You know, they've got Samsung uh, that's kind of working with their Gear VR headsets with them um, and for the software as well. Um, and mm. Oculus and Facebook are actually working on a lot on um, algorithm development and uh, content delivery networks for VR too. But uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Today, let's talk about um, HTC Vive and the mm. fact that they've already shipped out their units. Uh, a lot of people have them. A lot of people have been playing with them. Uh, um, and uh, a lot of the game developers who were at this uh, meetup last week uh, were really, really talking to us about, you know, how um, how they can kind of create great experiences for VR. Now, mm. keep in mind, uh, all these ex- uh, experiences and these games that we tried out were um, relatively rough because the, the Rift has only been around for about a couple of weeks now. But um, mm. the new game called, uh, I think it's called Superhero Galaxy task by red meat games it, it they, they had a working title for it <laughs> so it was, it was quite complex that <laughs> not that catchy no so uh, it was it was really cool though like you're you're this superhero in, in mm. this city um and you kind of get to interact with your vibe and you're able to move around the city and it's all 3d modeling so um it, it's not quite console level graphics just yet yeah. um i mean game development takes years and years uh, to get right and uh, redmi games has been around for a while but vr is a is a brand new beast right hmm 
So I tried out this game, and uh, basically I'm the superhero that uses the HTC Vive controllers. Uh, um, for those of you who don't know, um, HTC Vive actually comes with these two handheld controllers, uh, mm. which are tracked when you're in a room. And um, as a superhero, I put on my headband a display, and I've got these uh, controllers in my hand, and you basically get to fly around the city uh, shooting at people and objects and um, using a couple of different superpowers. But really cool. Um Really, it's a proof of concept, but yeah. definitely a cool experience. So, was this the first time that you've uh, had a go with the HTC Vive? Oh yeah, have you tried it? No, no. I'm hoping. Um, little spoiler alert here. Um, I'm going to a conference next week as well, um, uh, which is all part of it is to do with uh, VR. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they might have a, a headset or two for it to have a go on whilst we're there. So please. <laughs> I hope they've got something, even you know, Oculus or, or Vive. I'll take anything. Um, but yeah, so so yeah. Well, I'm, what I'm really interested to know is, you know, what were your? I'm not so, but well, yeah, I'm interested to know what the games and stuff were like. But what was it actually like? Like wearing it, you know, was it comfortable? And you know, what were that? What were the controllers like? Did they feel intuitive? Yeah. So so there there is a question. <laughs> Hmm. Um, you're, you're opening up a can. Um, so the controllers, in my opinion, were not intuitive at all. Hmm. Um, they're really large. Um, if I can put this to scale for you, um, imagine a uh, can of Pepsi, um, about twice the size of a can of Pepsi in terms of length, um, and about half the size in terms of circumference. I didn't think they were that big. They're, they're quite big. Um, if you guys remember the nunchucks uh, from the Wii, yeah, um, they're, they're they're slightly bigger than that. So it's about the same length, just a little bit taller, um, right. about the same circumference, um, mm. but it's got this this kind of circular like design at the top, which kind of mm. like it just covers up whatever uh, your hand and your your um, when you're gripping the actual like you're holding it in like a circular fashion like you would a cylinder. Yeah. Um, and, and your controllers are are kind of they've got these two track pads uh, that are underneath your thumb. So imagine you're gripping uh, a bottle of uh, or a can of Pepsi and uh, right at the top where your thumbs go, there's two track pads and they're very, very sensitive. And that's mm. how you control movement um, in the in the VR environment, in the VR world. Mm. But not exactly. And um, what I mean by that is you've got, so you can go forward with this trackpad on your left hand and you mm-hmm. can pan left and right with the trackpad on your right hand, mm-hmm. but you're, you're kind of directing yourself using your vision and where you're looking. Mm. So it, it was kind of a buggy experience to start, but uh, I mean, to the credit of Remy Games, I think I think they've only been developing developing this for a very short time. So for for what what they've done so far, it was it was a great experience and it was a great showcase. They're mm. all the kind of demos, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, in terms of comfort, um, see that that's that's another story. Uh, I know Richard, you and I have had some offline conversations about the future of VR and you know where it's going and. Mm. Um, I personally believe that these tethered options are not the way to go. No. Um, did, I mean, you, did you did you trip over the cable? <laughs> no, it was actually a very small space. So um, as you as you may know, for the HTC Vive, you've got these two sensors that have to kind of go um, on top corners of uh, in, in your room, and you have yeah. to have like a I'd say at least a a ten foot by ten foot space uh, yep. in which you can move around. 
Um, now, imagine a place uh, full of uh, lots of geeks and nerds um, all crowding around the HTC Vive, um, and they're trying to see what's going on, but at the same time, they're, they're not very cognizant of the fact that the person who has the VR headset on is blind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and because the HTC Vive, you actually do have some motion controlling going on, and it does track you to some degree. Um, mm. You know, it, it's, it's a bit tricky getting, getting that understood. Um, but I, I don't like the tethered option. I'll be honest. Like I, at the, with the demos that I saw, I couldn't see a great deal of benefit over mobile VR. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, mean, I think they, cause I mean, obviously it's gen one, isn't it? So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll come a point where they can get the data stream fast enough, um, you know, between the headset and and the computer or, or what have you, right? Uh, so that you'll not need to do that. But as far as I understand, at the minute, it's just not physically possible to push that much data backwards and forwards. Yeah, uh, and and that's why that's why like if you've got a capable uh, handset, and mm. uh, by that I mean I mean we're talking octa core with close to six gigs of rams and some uh, some of these new uh phones that are smartphones that are coming out so they're definitely yeah. capable and we're, we're the miniaturization of technology has gone so far right um, yeah i mean from the days of pcs and cpus um and those big desktop kind of uh, computers to laptops and now to phones i, I mean i think the direction is there yeah. um i'm just afraid that I, and you know, I've got a soft spot for HTC in my head, uh, in my yeah. heart. Um, they've, I've had the HTC Touch when it was first announced. Uh, I've been with uh, Windows Mobile when HTC was huge, and HTC was HTC was really, really big in pioneering Android. But they've mm. really fallen off the map. Oh, and yeah. um, I know the execs at HTC. I know you guys. Uh, you guys are hoping that your the the Vive is going to be your big break. Um, but unfortunately, with the experiences that I've had so far. I don't think it's going to be it, guys. Mm. I mean, the other, the other issue that you've got with uh, with any of the VR things, I think, is discoverability. It's yeah. going to be, you know, unless things change a lot, and maybe they will do, it's going to be very difficult for everyone to, to have a bit of a go at this, really. Yeah, and, um, you know, to address that, there's a local company in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, and uh, I'll give a shout-out to these guys. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the, I don't quite remember their name, um, but I'll, I'll post that in our in our little description box uh, that we put mm. up for our podcast. But this company's uh, partnered up with HTC to bring 16 HTC Vives to Kitchener in, in, a, in a new, brand-new uh, state-of-the-art gaming facility. Wow. Yeah, so they've partnered up with HTC, and they're HTC's kind of first corporate bulk order uh, in mm. the region and uh, they're setting up a brand new kind of think of it as like a, a super advanced super galactic uh, arcade <laughs> yeah that sounds brilliant yeah, so their model is uh, they're going to charge about 20 bucks an hour for people to come in and test out these units. Um, you know, they were talking a little bit about sanitary approaches, how, how they're going to deal <laughs> with 150 people trying out these. Uh, sweaty geeks. Oh, yeah. Super sweaty <laughs> geeks. <laughs> um, and, and they were talking about that, but that I think that'll address the exposure issue. I think once production ramps up for both the HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift, we'll, we'll start seeing it more often. Mm. But I think the price point's going to have to drop a lot. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because right. I mean, you know, I I don't know a single person who's got one, um, and and I know a lot of tech orientated people, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's you know, if I don't know somebody who's got one, what's the chances anybody anybody you know from a kind of normal level of tech exposure um, 
has got of, of coming across it, you know, and the fact that I'm I'm hoping desperately to have a go at one at a, at a conference <laughs> tells you how hard it is to come across these things. So wishful thinking, Richard. Wishful thinking. Yeah, I've got a horrible feeling they're just going to talk about it, you know, and, <laughs> and I'd be like, I wanted to play. <laughs> oh, oh man, where's that's the, that's the worst, right? You see people the in the line, and there's you've got a three hour line, and you get to the front, and it's like, yeah, conference is over. Sorry, guys, that can't do any more demos today. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, for for your sake, I, I really hope you get to try it because it is it is a very unique experience, right? Um, mm. And it's not quite as um, it, it, like your your experience on the Gear VRs and those um, kind of knockoff. I'm not going to say knockoff, but I'd say the Asian manufactured uh, head mounted units that just kind of pop your cell phone into them. Um, mm. They're not quite the same. They're not quite as smooth. You know, the graphics card in in our phones can't render that environment as quickly. Mm. Um, so and and. Granted, uh, even the game of, by a lot of the screens aren't up to it either, are they? So, sorry, what was that? A lot of the screens aren't up to the job either. No, definitely not. And um, you know, then then we get into the whole idea of how do you deliver that HD content um, over the internet at you know such high bit rates? It's that's that's a whole new ball game. Um, yeah. But but let's talk a little bit about um, I guess production issues um, because HTC Vive uh, went up on pre-order um, late February. Uh, I'll say, and uh, most of my friends who have pre-ordered it um, actually have their units already, and mm. uh, a lot of people are doing development work for it. A lot of people who I met at the at, at this meetup were actually even doing entertainment work with VR, mm. um, you know, trying to do concerts, rock and roll stuff, um, mm. event venues, a lot, a lot of different stuff. Cool. But the, the positive side is they've got their HTC Vives. Um, mm. Oculus, on the other hand, has yet to ship a lot of people their uh, consumer-grade uh, rifts. Mm. And Oculus has been on pre-order since early January. Yeah. So it, it seems like they've hit some major production issues. I got the feeling that maybe Oculus were a bit, were kind of maybe rushing to be first to market a bit um, yeah. and, and perhaps weren't really actually that ready for it at the time that they announced. Well, Richard, I mean, think about it, right? Like for a, very, for a quasi-startup, even though you've got a lot of funding, um, for someone, a company trying to figure out everything on their own, you know, logistics, uh, supply chain logistics, um, understanding building a, a, a cash flow situation, I, I think there's a lot of challenges. And HTC, who's been around in the manufacturing game for quite some time, um, they kind of knew those pitfalls, um, yep. and they were able to uh, they were able to account for them and really kind of sidestep them. Um, whereas Rift is really not understanding how to deal with it, but I mean, hopefully for their sake and our sake, um, they get they get their act together and start shipping out these uh, consumer grade devices. Yeah, probably the other thing with HTC as well is, like you say, that they've got the supply chain. They probably know which people they'll turn to for which components for things mm-hmm. like this, and it'll just move that much more smoothly, wouldn't it? So yeah, absolutely. So uh, so I think I think it's only a matter of time that we get these devices to be a, a bit more common, but that's not saying much considering, uh, I mean, like Rich said, uh, that we know thousands of people in tech and only a handful of them have uh, have these units at home. So um, it's a considerable investment and, you know, people want to try it out before before they say, OK, here's here's five thousand dollars. Take it yeah i mean God, seriously you know for for me personally you you've, you've got issues about you know you've got to clear your lounge to create decent amount of space and then you've got to drill your walls to mount things onto your walls and mm-hmm. um and then i would i would personally i'd have to buy i'd have to buy a pc 
because I don't have a PC. Um, you know, so there's a lot of expense that would go with with buying either for for me for buying either of these systems. So I don't think this generation is going to be the one for me. I, I mean, personally, I, what I would love to see is something like uh, you know where you could buy a, a really good quality like VR headset as an add-on to say like an Xbox One or two. You know, something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, PlayStation's doing that. Sony's doing that, and they've got their uh, PlayStation VR kit. Mm. Um, that's actually, I think it was up for pre-order about a month and a half ago. So, I mean, look, all the giants are getting into it. All yeah. the big tech giants are getting into it, and what they are doing is they're trying to understand that this is the first generation. What are the pitfalls? What are, what are the obstacles? And kind of how can we move on from it, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, one of those major obstacles, at least in my opinion, is... You know that head-mounted display. Um, yeah. So that that massive headset that you're putting on your head, whether it's a Gear VR or whether it's the Rift or what it's, whether it's the Vive, um, you you really have to think think that all these tech giants are working on something in the background because there's no way they're going to be okay with just having a massive piece of plastic on your face. Oh God, that, no! Nobody's going to put up with that long term, are they? Right. So, so when you, when you actually had it on your your head, then mm-hmm. did, apart from being tethered, did it mm-hmm. feel like comfortable? Do you think you could have had it on for a long period of time, or were you quite definitely, happy to it? Yeah, definitely, you can have it on for I'd say at least a couple of hours. Um, I right. spent maybe a total of about six to seven minutes with the with the game session that I was in. <laughs> um, so I mean, it's difficult to say. Um, yeah, but, but it felt the comfort really comfortable. level was good, right? Yeah. Um, it's lightweight. It's not very heavy on your head. It's just a nuisance. It's like, it's a nuisance having all those cables at the back of your head. And when you yeah. move in the VR world, sometimes those cables kind of go over your shoulder and get into your way. Um, that, just, that, that, I would imagine that that pulls you out of the VR bit. Well, I guess, right? If, if, you, if, if you're, you're feeling trying to immerse cable, yourself. Yeah, if you're feeling a cable hitting your back and stuff as you move, mm-hmm. well, that's, unless that's part of the VR world that you're in... <laughs> You know, you've got a tail because you're a dragon or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then it doesn't fit with what you're experiencing, does it? So yeah. You, that, I mean, for the women folk, I think I think the the females will understand because it's almost like having a ponytail. Mm. Um, <laughs> for for the males, uh, if you've had a ponytail, well, th- that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just it's it's an, it's annoying. Um, and I'll be honest, um, with with the demos that I tried, I would still say that I prefer my Gear VR. And um, and the kind of Oculus system that they've got, uh, yeah. as opposed to the Rift and having to set up this complicated system in my living room, for which I need a ten by ten dedicated space. Uh, I need to drill some holes, like you said. It's just not yet. It's not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so did you did you say? Because you mentioned the the Rift there. Did you get to try the Rift as well? No. So they had the the development kit too, which is uh, the Rift DK two. Um, mm. They had it there. I've actually tried one before. Right. Um, so it wasn't something particularly new, and I didn't really go try at the demos that they had there at the meetup. Yeah, right. But um, DK2, I mean, uh, for most of you who've, uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to try out DK2, it's 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 nice. I mean, it, it's practically just hooking it up to your standard PC, and um, you get the same effect that you would out of a Gear VR, um, because it, it practically is your your Note 4 screen LCD display, or the sorry, the AMOLED display. Uh, so it's a 2K. Display display which they've taken out and they've put into the dk2 in fact if you take the dk2 apart um you'll find that it actually has the exact samsung panel and it has samsung branding on it too yeah 
So, so with that said, and kind of alluding to the to the next thing we were going to talk about is uh, HMDs, right? Uh, these head-mounted displays and, and kind of making them smaller. And there was a, a very, very cool company at the meetup, and their name was IMI. Now, I'm not sure how to spell it. I think it's I-M-M-I. It could be I-M-I. I'm not sure. But um, what the cool thing about this company was, uh, they're based out of Detroit, and um, they've developed a brand-new state-of-the-art head-mounted display that can do both AR and VR. That's awesome. So for, for, I mean, it's difficult to conceptualize what VR and AR and then the amalgamation of them might be. Um, So imagine the HoloLens. Um, So you've got this this, uh, translucent lens in front of you, um, this kind of visor, uh, which will kind of overlay things on particular everyday objects that you see in real life. Um, But... Imagine that to be half the size. So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll you'll notice a couple of pictures, and they were being quite secretive about it, so I wasn't able to take too many photos, and it, it was a prototype. But this thing is maybe at the size of an oversized uh, pair of sunglasses. Um, very, very small, very, very sleek. Um, still a prototype, um, so had lots of cables coming around it, and it is still tethered, so, I mean... We, no. We're not getting to that part yet, so uh, sorry, Richard. Sorry. I, I knew you were hopeful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but, but they've got some cool things in store. So they've got this, they've got a similar appro- approach uh, that HoloLens has, except they've got this lens that can be tinted on the fly. So they can completely immerse you in VR by tinting the lens um, on the fly and making it completely totally dark. Black. Yeah, yeah, completely dark and you're in VR. Or they make they can make it translucent and uh, make it uh, certain transparency so you can start seeing things uh, outside as well. So, you know, augmented reality kind of works well with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And this this wraparound kind of, um, it wraps around your, around your eyes and um, it was fairly good in terms of quality uh, and resolution offered uh, slightly below a 2K resolution. Um, which is which is more than enough for today's VR standards, um, and uh, it, it was really great. Uh, what I thought about it was, hey, look, these guys are developing these brand new HMDs uh, that can be used for VR stuff, and um, hey, why not game on it? Why not do different things with it? But mm. then, to my surprise, uh, when these guys got up on the stage and they did a presentation, um, they're they're actually backed by the U.S. military. <laughs> Sweet. So they are building military grade and military spec um, head mounted displays. And they've been in the game for about 15 years now. And um, one of the gentlemen's name was Harinder. And uh, Harinder was telling us how, um, you know, the US military wants to do these immersive training programs. And these immersive training programs require you to be wearing these headsets. You know, rather than going into battle, you virtually go into battle, for example, right? Yeah. And, um, what they wanted is for for individuals and their their trainees, their soldiers, to be wearing these devices for up to eighteen to fifteen hours a day. So it's going to be very comfortable. Extremely comfortable. They wanted to. The military said that they wanted to be able to do um, both AR and VR, and they eventually want them to be able to be used in the field. I was going to say because the, the that means they're going to have to be going to be uh, very dust resistant, water resistant. Oh yeah. Uh, impact resistant yeah bre- sort of breathable type <laughs> materials as well for the heat and stuff um, uh, yep and, and so it's, it's it's amazing what, what they've done so far um, it's amazing and they so a little bit different about this uh, a different uh, kind of spec about this is that they're not using traditional display technology 
Now, this is where things get super interesting. Right. They are using direct eye-level projection. Oh, right. So just beaming straight in your eye. Beaming it straight into your eye. They're using a couple of mirrors, and um, within less than an inch, they're magnifying that image to to astronomical sizes, and it's going straight into your retina. Um, So you've got great, great image quality uh, with the ability to do AR at the same time. And... um, you don't necessarily have to dis- rely on a particular display or lenses that are in front of you. Can I, w- can I watch The Force Awakens on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. Oh, that'd be so cool. Wouldn't it? That'd be just, so cool. Just the sheer scale you could watch it at. It'd be incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that sounds really, really cool. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of some of the best tech that we have now has its roots in um, the military. When mm-hmm. you look back through it, I mean, I remember one of the talks uh, I watched at Thinking Digital previously. That's the that's the name of the conference I'm going to next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, was by a lady who was talking about the interaction between the private and the public sector in, in terms of gener- uh, pushing tech forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of her slides showed the amount of public sector technology in the US that ended up in the first generation iPhone. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. It was just like, wow, look at all of that. All of that was developed by the military or the government or, you know, and then gradually over time it's distilled down to be in the private sector, um, you know, and, and found its way into the gadgets that we use every day. So whilst it's very cool, my my, hesita- my little hesitation now is, well, is the military just going to lock this down and we're not going to get to see it at all? So here's the thing. IMI is actually producing uh, development kits. Um, right. So they're going to be actually making those available to the public in about four to five months. Wow. Yeah. So... There, I mean, I hope that answers your question, um, at least for the time being, while they're looking for developers and software and hardware engineers to get more involved a little bit more, um, mm. they're going to be making this available to everyone. Who knows? Right. I mean, what will happen down the road, um, what the roadmap will be for them. Uh, but at least for the time being, um, people will get to try these things. Um, and, and what's great about them is that they've they've been working on this for quite some time, and uh, you know a couple of uh, the gentlemen are um, are Canadian. A lot of them are U.S. based, um, mm. and um, they've said that they they will likely make the development kits available to Canadians as well. Right. So it I won't mean, be just focused on the uh, American folk. I mean, the thing is that you got to think that uh, if they're going to sell them to the public, then. The- They'll be, you know, all the big companies will be snapping up a pair for themselves to, yep. to to look at them and see what they like to use and try to reverse engineer some of the stuff that's inside and mm-hmm. things like that. So it'll it'll push everyone else's products forwards as well. Hey, there you go, free market economy, right? <laughs> you you got to love, it, haven't you? Oh man, I, it was it was just so great actually seeing some some huge developments in VR, you know? Uh, we've been talking about the Rift for a while. We've been talking about the Vive for a while. We've been talking about the Gear VR for a while. But, mm. you know, there's nothing really pushing that. There's nothing kind of on the cutting edge of it right now. And uh, Imi's definitely there. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, development can often be quite slow if you're in academia or even in the public sector. Um, mm. But having some private funding behind it, having some, uh, some military funding behind it, it will definitely push the development uh, to be much quicker, and uh, I hope I hope we get to see see more of them. Hey, Emmy, if you guys uh, if you guys are listening to this, um, give me a shout uh, if you want to uh, come out and do an interview with us. 
Yeah, uh, just just hit me up and send me a pair. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I'll take one too if you're just giving them out. By the way. Yeah, I'll need all the uh, the games and everything because I can't code for Toffee. So <laughs> <laughs> don't expect me to create anything for you. Uh, don't worry, Richard. We'll we'll do the medical testing for them. Does that but sound I'm, good? I'm excellent at consuming, so feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, and, and that's the other thing, kind of segueing into to talks about health and medical. Um, you know, for me, I'm really into uh, you know aging research and public health uh, initiatives. Mm. Um, once we get these type of devices ready for consumer and mass consumer consumption, mm. um, you know, uh, the demographic that really really stands to benefit from these devices is, is the growing demographic, the older adult demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Often isolated, you know, often depressed, um, often um, very much, uh, you know, they, they, they lose their social ties after a while. So imagine being mm. in a VR world for an older adult. But, you know, how do you tell someone who's already frail, you know, 75 years old um, to put on an HTC Vive? No, right? they're not. You can't, you can't do it. <laughs> Apart from a small handful. Um, and... Is it? I've got. I might confuse the hell out of some people as well. <laughs> you know, like well, I don't understand. What are you doing? Where are these things? Right. You know, where are these people? You know. Right. Uh, but I can see further down the line um, as generations come through who are used to technology and, and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and, and if it became less expensive and things like that, then you could you could potentially kind of. Um, maybe alleviate um, loneliness for elderly people with with using VR, you know? Um, Absolutely. And that's kind of what my research is surrounding, right? Um, Kind of addressing some of the isolation aspects and some of the the cognitive decline that results from isolation uh, in older adults. Um, So, I mean, it's there, but we need the tech to be better. um, It's it's got to be much, much easier, hasn't it? Yeah, they're, they're not a very patient group. Um, no, they'll try it once, and that'll probably they'll they'll shun the technology. So, um, I think I think it's great that there's a lot of pioneers, and and that's another reason why only very specific, um, you know, groups of people are getting into the VR game. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the first year of many years to come, um, because it, it, it is the very first generation, and people are kind of trying to jump into it and and do the most they can at the moment. But there's mm. really not that much you can do. Um, but that's going to change and kind of that, that, that's a good segue into the next topic of discussion. Um, Google IO, Mm, the future, the future. So Google IO is taking place, uh, in about a week, 10 days from now. Um, and, uh, lots of new things to be announced. Uh, we're hoping that, uh, the new Android, um, and like full feature system will be announced and the, the base level OS, um, who knows what they'll announce, maybe some new hardware, but. We do know that Google is being very, very cryptic about something about VR. Mm. So Google's put together this this uh, this schedule and this keynote uh, teaser where they say we're going to talk about VR, and that's all they say. <laughs> yeah. So they've got an hour or two hours dedicated to talking about VR, but they won't tell us what it is. That's uh, it's very blunt as well, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I think I think that's a good thing. Um, it's, it's not kind of Apple level crypticness. You know, the last the last invite was something like uh, "Let us loop you in" or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about VR. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about VR. See you there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just... So, so what are you going to talk about? Are you, are you guys announcing a new project? 
we'll talk about VR. Yep. <laughs> so, so the speculation is is that they might announce some new hardware. Uh, there's some rumors going around in the rumor mill saying that they might release an independent, complete standalone head-mounted unit mm. that has everything built in into one unit. Um, now, uh, I, I think I think that's a little bit far-fetched. I think it'd be too early for Google to announce something like that. I, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I know they've got a lot of engineers dedicated to working on Google Glass in the background, yeah. but I just don't think the technology is quite there yet. So I think I think for those of you who are hoping for that, my prediction at least, is that we won't get new hardware, VR hardware, um, in the form of a, a brand-new head-mounted unit. I wouldn't mind if they did just... I, w- I honestly wouldn't mind if they just did something along the lines of Google Glass, ver- uh, not Glass, Google Cardboard version three, mm-hmm. but made it using good quality materials and plastics and stuff um, that you can interact with your, you know, you can uh, interact uh, using the button and, and stuff like that. Um, I would, I'd be, I'd be okay with that, really. And um, that, that very well could happen. Because you know, at the minute, oh, and and I was going to say, and that it's a lot more comfortable, and you can wear it for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they came up with something like that, that be that would be enough for most people to get to dip their toes into VR. Yeah, absolutely. And and for those of you who don't know, Google has actually been building the infrastructure for their VR foundation for quite some time now. Oh, yeah. Um, Google's been working with GoPro to create their, you know, the jump rig with the 16 uh, GoPros in a, in a sphere, or sorry, in a, in a circle that does VR uh, content uh, curation, sorry, content creation. Um, and they've, they've been building a huge data center that's uh, dedicated specifically to VR content uh, coding and, um, I guess, curation. Yeah. Um, and and, and they've also been, you know, they've they're the, by far the f- uh, the first to start, um, you know, rolling out a lot of three hundred and sixty content on YouTube as well mm-hmm. for anybody to be able to to look at. So maybe not so much quite VR, but it, they're proper like full three hundred and sixty videos, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. And anyone can create them and upload them to YouTube. Yeah, as long as you've got the equipment. So yeah. that's that's the other piece of speculation and. Uh, you know, there's there's been some rumors, there's been some developers talking back and forth saying that VR, virtual reality, is now going to be integrated into Android at the base OS level in Android N. Hmm. That's huge. Um, that's, that's nuts. I, I mean, you know, for 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 us normies or for, for some, some of those who might not be, you know, super techie or might not be into code, uh, that means that... If, if Google is baking virtual reality APIs directly into the system level, um, that means that a lot of the developers will have an easier time being able to code for VR mm. um, because the access protocols will be there, the interface uh, level, um, I guess, communication will be there, and um, things might get a lot quicker. Things uh, might be a lot faster. Uh, things might be a lot more capable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the hardware is going to be there. Um, and I know Richard and I were talking about this offline too, but um, there's there's a video by MKBHD um, a couple of days ago. He released um, you know dual cameras, dual uh, camera phones explained. Yeah, uh, great video. Shout out to MKBHD. But um, he he actually makes a very important point, um, and that is. Google and all these manufacturers that have been working with Google, um, Huawei and LG uh, in, in particular, have both come out with dual camera setups on their flagship level devices this mm. year. Now, 
think about what Samsung is doing with their with their Gear 360 camera and what LG is doing there with their 360 camera. It, it's simply two lenses, 280-degree lenses mm. um, that stitch the image together later, right? Yeah. Now, if you can do that on your smartphone using mm. your front-facing camera with a wide-angle lens and yeah. a rear-facing camera with two, perhaps, wide-angle lenses, yeah. it would be really easy for you to capture that content on the go, yeah. stitch it onto your phone, and upload it directly to YouTube. Yeah. I honestly can't see, and I've often wondered for a while, why there are not a lot more phones that have, haven't got identical cameras front and back. Yeah, you know, me too, Rich. Me too. I'm, what, I'm, why, yeah. why do they always keep skimping on the front-facing camera? You know, um, give her the same quality at the front as there is at the back. And, you know, I think, Richard, some of it has to do with the fact that the phones are getting thinner and these camera modules aren't necessarily getting drastically thinner. Yeah. So being able to fit two camera modules that are identical in size and aperture levels, both at the front and the back, is, is a bit of a challenge. <sighs> they could do it. <laughs> You could do it. And for God's sakes, stop rushing to the to the you know the point of wafer thin phones. We don't need to have that. We can we could cope with a couple of millimeters more if it's going to give us better tech inside of it. Better battery life. That's all I want. Look at the bloody um, iPhone SE. People are chomping at the bit getting those things, and they're not they're not as thin as as the newer models are they? So yeah, I just I don't know. I think there's there's certain limitations um, that manufacturers are probably addressing in the background in prototypes, but we don't yeah. necessarily know about it, right? Um, you know but, you know what they say, production is always uh, a year ahead. So yeah. when they're releasing the Galaxy S7, that means they're already working on the Galaxy S8. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Easy. So yeah. who knows? Who knows what they have in store for us later? But, you know, these, these dual camera setups might definitely have some impact on the VR game. Um, so there's there's some speculation that at I.O., Google will, you know, discuss a, a new camera, uh, sorry, a new phone release, um, and rumors are pointing to HTC making the new Nexus. Um, and, you know, there's also some other rumors saying that the new Nexus is going to be VR capable. Wow, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? it definitely, does, definitely. It doesn't sound like it's going to be... Uh, I get the impression it's probably not going to be Project Tango yet, so... I think it's a bit too early for that still. Yeah, and um, Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Project Tango? Um, I know you and I have talked about it a couple of times offline, but it's a very interesting initiative that Google's taken on. Yeah, so basically it, what Project Tango does is using using your mobile phone and um, a plethora of sensors inside it, um, some of which you don't currently have, it allows, allows uh, Google to map out... Um, an indoor space in in three dimensions and really quite accurately as well um and then once once you've got that uh, area mapped out in that way you can then use your display to overlay visual content on the environment that you're looking at so um an example of that would be uh let's say for example you went to look around um a house that you wanted to, to buy um, and you would hold you, you would hold your you know tango enabled smartphone or what have you mm-hmm. um, and you could look at the house and the estate agent could literally 
in the real world, if you like, label certain parts of the house to draw your attention to it. So there might be a little bubble coming out of the sofa or, you know, <laughs> that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you've hit it right on the right on the head of the nail. It's a little bit of AR, a little bit of VR, um, yeah. but not quite either, right? Yeah, and, 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 and you know, I've so seen, like, crazy ideas where people, like, saying, like, if you had, uh, say, like, a memorial or something like that as well, people people could leave their messages there too, mm-hmm. you know, so you you point your phone at it and you'll see all the messages of people who've, who've been to that memorial and their their thoughts and, and things like that. So it's a very interesting idea, actually, I think. Yeah, very, very cool. And, um, you know, for, for those of you who are want to get into a little bit more of the specs, um, it all started off with a, a Google Tango tablet, a Project Tango tablet, which had mm. a, a two-camera array at the back. And uh, it did a bit of spatial analysis using those two cameras, uh, mm. similar to what you know HTC started with their HTC One M8 when they included that second uh, depth sensor, right? Mm. Um, they did it so they could do bokeh effects and uh, kind of yeah. make things go out of focus. Uh, Google seems to be a lot more functional with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, I think I think there's a lot to come with that, um, but uh, you know, it's about interaction. Uh, where we're all talking about immersion in the VR world, but being completely blinded isn't necessarily a good thing. So Google is really trying to kind of, you know, bring both the best of both worlds together and allowing you to be in, in, in a virtual reality environment, but also um, kind of compute the things that are sitting in front of you in real life, like a lamp, and uh, be able to interact with those items in that virtual reality environment by recreating them using 3D modeling. Mm, I mean, I've got to say, I really like the idea of augmented reality more than VR. Um, you know, if you could just be wearing your pair of uh, uh, AR glasses and stuff and see your messages whilst you're busy doing other things and, and respond to them and stuff like that, I think that that's, to me, that's probably more, more useful in a way than like a, a wearable watch or something like that. Definitely uh, useful. Definitely useful, but I, I'd argue that it's not good for society. Um, I think it would be way too distracted. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at phones, right? We got super distracted and um, started getting into accidents while uh, texting on your phone and walking. And what yeah. did we do? We didn't. We didn't try to eliminate that or create awareness. But instead, Germany decided to put up signs: <laughs> high traffic area, don't text and walk. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it'll see, happen. Did you see the, the? There was a thing. The the looking at. Um, uh, 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 they've got like crossings where the li- the lights are in the ground in the floor. Yeah, that's in Germany. That, yeah, that's yeah. why they that's, did that. That's just so funny. It's like yes. <laughs> God's sakes, look up. <laughs> I know, right? So, so uh, who knows? With this AR world, you might be walking forward, but you're doing something in your on your PC on your on your head mounted display. Yeah, uh, even though it's transparent, and you never know. I mean, look at us. We're driving. We're often yeah. driving and looking at GPS systems. Yeah. Um, and we get into accidents, right? Yeah, and you're not, you know, it's concentrating quite the same, are you? But, but it, it, I, that system that you were talking about, the IMEO or whatever, um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the best of both worlds, isn't it? Because then you can use that during the day and be doing stuff. And then in the evening, if you want to sit and uh, chill and watch a movie, you know, flip it into full-on um, immersive VR mode mm-hmm. and you can watch your TV shows on a cinema-sized screen effectively. Um that would be cool. Oh, so sweet. So, so I mean, the possibilities are endless. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of creative geniuses working um, to to understand what type of projects we can do, what type of experiences we can create with VR and AR. But it seems like some of the limitation at the moment is um, the hardware and uh, yeah. being able to make it accessible to everyone, but also acceptable to everyone. That's it. Right. And, um, you know, uh, I kind of want to go back to the HTC Vive here for a moment and talk about, you know, the interaction with the VR world. I don't like those controllers. I don't think they're the way to go. And um, if, if any of you, uh, if any of your listeners or even you, Richard, have you uh, have you worked with the uh, the Leap motion controllers? I've never tried it. No. So I used to have one a couple of uh, a couple of months ago, maybe, but actually almost a year ago. Um, I tried it briefly, um, and at the time the tracking wasn't so great, so I returned it. Uh, for mm. those of you who don't know what the Leap Motion Controller is, it's a it's a tiny um, lighter size, a, a cigarette lighter sized um, IR, I guess. Um, IR sensor, um, very, very small, plugs into your PC, and uh, what it can do is it can do spatial mapping. Um, so you can mount it on your on your laptop, and if you hover your hands above it, um, the program that Magic Leap has, uh, sorry, that Leap Motion has developed is going to map that into a virtual reality world or in a computer world in 3D modeling, and then you can technically interact with uh, the virtual world using that type of controller. Mm. Now, see, that's a lot better. There's already individuals and developers who are taking these motion controllers, uh, these uh, lead motion controllers, and putting them on your Gear VR, Mm. and then using their hands to interact with the VR world. Much better, right? Yeah, that's better. Um, But the computing power needed for that is... Is, is quite a lot and the the smartphones aren't quite able to do it yet not mm. not perfectly but it's getting there it's getting there and um, for those of you who are interested in finding out more about leap motion controllers look into project orion uh very cool very vr focused um and talks about interacting with the vr world without the need of bulky controllers and stuff like that i think that can be a that could be the the title of, of the today's show i think vr it's getting there <laughs> yeah, well, that's absolutely right. I mean, there's really cool things going at, on. There's lots of cool things going on, but it's not quite there. So you're right, VR is getting there. <laughs> I think I think we're at the point where, like before, there was a load of false starts, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. VR was always going to be the next big thing, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of really awful attempts at it over the last twenty years or so. Yeah, but I think we're, I think we are finally starting to hit the ground running and. The the kind of level of experiences that they're creating, you know, is certainly for me, it's it's stirred uh, enough, uh, you know, desire to 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 be able to have a go at that and have a uh, have some time at, at using it. Uh, whereas the other stuff, I was like, nah, that looks just rubbish, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, this, and this looks much more compelling. And here's the hoping that VR doesn't turn out to be the smartwatch of the tech industry, right? Yeah. Um, because the growth there has really slowed down. Um, yeah. The acceptance among mass consumers isn't quite there yet. Um, and I think it's really because the tech isn't there, right? Mm. Uh, we don't want devices that won't last three, four days that are sitting on your wrist, right? It's, yep. it's trivial because you've got a watch that can do just that without the need for a charge. We've got these tiny batteries. And, you know, for a lot of it is uh, batteries are holding us back. Um, it's lithium the, it's the, the uh, what's it called? 
the USP, isn't it? The unique selling point. Yeah. That we don't we don't have one for for wearables yet. Yeah. And, and um, once we with get VR, that, we do. Th- but makes, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you battle the content issue, right? I mean, you spend five thousand dollars on this VR system that you've got at home. You call yourself a pioneer now, right? Yep. But there's only a handful of games. So are you are you willing to spend you know yeah. three thousand dollars US to play um, three or four games <laughs> to play even twenty games? You yeah. know, is is it worth it? And are are you willing to do that so you can just play by yourself? Because yeah. we're not talking multiplayer games right now, right? No, um, we're not talking about replacing your console at home. No, we're we're really talking about this cool new experience that you've got with the HTC Vive and um, the the Oculus Rift. But uh, I think Google's really going to take it a step forward. So I'm really really hopeful to hear some new things, new product announcements at. Google I.O. So uh, stay tuned after that. Hopefully Richard and I will get some time to do a, a podcast the following week. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try and do a bit, of a, a bit of a roundup sort of thing on it. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so, so to wrap up a little bit, um, I want to talk to you guys about, you know, content creation for VR um, and, you know, the development of that, that kind of phase. Um, you know, we're, we're not in that, in that part yet or we're not at the phase yet where we can say there's a lot of content out there uh, for the rift and the 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 vive but there is there is a lot of uh, content building up for the gear vr Hmm. so my recommendation to our audience if you really want to get into vr right now get yourself a gear vr get yourself a samsung phone um you know used note fours go for about three four hundred dollars on ebay um, and you can pick up one of those um, VR, VR headsets for the Note 4, even though they're not widely, widely available. Um, but I think it's a great experience to start off with, to understand what VR is, how to kind of interact with things in the VR world. Hmm. And then hopefully by the time you've had a chance to play with that, um, by then Rift will get their game together. They will start shipping out those units. And, and I mean, we all know that they're already working on Gen 2 devices in the background. Yeah. So save your money for now. Wait until these uh, these uh, devices and these technologies get better. Um, unless you've got money to burn, in which case, buy yourself one and buy me one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else to add, Richard? No, I think that that'll do us for a show. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll be in touch uh, very soon uh, talking to you about the latest and greatest in VR. Um, Hopefully the next episode uh, we'll try to catch up with our second, uh, I guess, installment for the uh, wearables piece. And uh, that'll be us for now. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Bye.